No, it's just when uh, Rian uh, shared with me just the, the scriptures, uh, I was really excited about the last one because it's what we, uh, we touched on yesterday, that uh, God, God is building his house. God is building his temple. And we are both their temple and individually and corporately we are that temple. When we come together, a place where he dwells. A place where he dwells. And so the, the, the word that, that God gave me just in, in praying for, uh, for this weekend was two words actually. Establish. Because I think God is establishing something. He's establishing something. When you, when you come together like yesterday, um, the worship, uh, worship leaders and worship team come together to, to just establish some core values, to establish an identity, to establish where we are as a marker on our journey with, with the Lord. It's moments like this where we establish things and, and, uh, and along the way under Tristan's leadership, you're going to establish, you're establishing values, you're establishing vision, you're, you're establishing roots and we're establishing foundations. And the other word that came to me, which I want to share on, uh, because I went to, to look at it, uh, because we know instinctively that, um, that there are a couple of references that immediately come to mind around the word house. House. The Bible uses the reference of house very often. And it's, it's used in many ways, obviously, house of the Lord, and, um, people in houses, and so on. But in, in two ways, metaphorically, of your life as a house, individually that God is building, but also collectively, the house of the Lord. Um, and in the Old Covenant, under the Old Covenant it would have been the temple, under the New Covenant, it's you and I. Coming together, God is building and establishing something corporately where he desires to dwell by his Spirit, which is the scripture that, um, that Rian read to us in, in Ephesians chapter 2. So, I really want to just share with you a word uh, this morning around, around building establishing the house that God is building here at sunrise. It's not for nothing that, that God has brought you here. God has brought you here for a reason. Some of you might know that reason. Some of you might know, I'm here, I'm here, this is the gift that I bring, this is the value that I add, this is why I'm here. Maybe others of you are not sure. You, you've come and you, you like it, or maybe you know Tristan Emma, or you know somebody here, and you've been coming, and it's, uh, it's exciting, and it's new, and, and you want to be a part of it, but maybe you're not sure exactly what, what God is calling you to do. And I hope maybe through this morning, we trust that something will become clearer. Something will become clearer as we just look at the Word of God generally, and then more specifically to where you're at, and what you're contributing to this house that has been built, that God has already established, will continue to establish, and will build in His name. And so, I don't have one specific scripture. I want us to look at a, at a few and, and just find some, some principles to anchor ourselves in this morning. There are many, uh, but for the sake of time and focus, we will, we will limit ourselves to, to three. And the first, the first principle I want to share with you this morning is that the house that God is building the foundation is Christ. We want to build on Jesus Christ. We want to build on Jesus Christ. In Psalm 127 verse 1, we know this well, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. Unless God is building the house, you and I, laboring to the best of our ability, are still going to fall short. God has to build the house. God has to be building the house. Jesus said, what did you say? I will Build my church, and the gates of hell will never prevail against that. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church that Jesus is building. If Jesus is the foundation, 
The gates of hell will not prevail against that church. It may have challenges, it may have setbacks, but it will grow because it's built on Christ. So I wondered to myself, the, the churches that have just lost their way, churches that are, that, are, that are failing, churches that are closing, could it be, could it be that they've, maybe they started building on Christ, but have drifted to building on other things? Because as much as it sounds self-evident to us, of course, why, how else would you build a church? You can build a church on many things. You can build a church around the, the personality or the charisma of the pastor. Oh, Tristan, Tristan, Tristan. We love Tristan. What Tristan says, we're not building on, on Tristan. We're building on Christ. Uh, you, can, you can build it around, uh, around status or identity. Churches have this identity. Oh, we, are, we are this church. We are that church. Anointing. Oh, we are the anointed ones. We, we do church differently. We've got such a different ethos and vibe. We build it around this, this different ethos and vibe. It's subtle, but it's there. So, let me remind you, Sunrise, something that might sound self-evident, but it's not, that we build on Christ. Now, that sounds like kind of a little bit ethereal. We know sort of what we mean. What does that mean, actually? What does it mean in practice? What does it mean in reality? Well, it means that Jesus then has to be the focus of all that we do. We're doing it for him. We're doing it by him. We're doing it in his strength. We want to consult him. And we want to honor him in all that we do. At Lighthouse, one of the ways that we do that to honor, to honor the Lord is, is through worship. And what I mean by that is that at every meeting at Lighthouse, we will start with worship. When the children's church leaders meet, they start with worship. When our elders meet, we start with worship and pray. When, uh, when any meeting operates or starts in the life of the church, and to, twice a year we have a week of fasting and prayer, and part of that is just a large part of that is saying, Jesus, we're honoring you. So what are you saying to us? What are you saying to us? That we may be about your agenda, not our own. What are you saying to us? Are we on track with what you said to us last time when we met? And we want to weigh up what God is saying. The elders take that very seriously. What, what Jesus is saying to his church. And that everything is done with the Lord in mind to honor him above all things. That at Lighthouse, and I would suggest it would be the same for you at Sunrise, that, that everything that we do brings glory to his name. And when the people pass and maybe come in, what they experience is Jesus. What they experience is, and they're going to experience it in different ways. They're going to maybe experience in the worship. They're going to experience in the way that you talk to each other and engage with each other, the way that you serve each other, because Jesus is in the midst, and it's all about him. And they don't see, oh, that personality is the big shot. Yeah, yeah. No, it's that they see Christ in your midst, because you're honoring him and you're putting him first. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, there's some division in the Corinthian church because Paul founded the church and then Apollos came in and he taught uh, and, uh, and then there were, there were factions in the Corinthian church. Some would say, well, I'm of Paul and others, I'm of Apollos. And, and Paul says, firstly, let's build on no other foundation than that of Jesus Christ. So he rebukes them. He says, don't build on me, only on what I taught. Equally, don't build on Apollos. Don't you, know, don't you be a, all for Apollos or for Paul. No, no, no. The only valid foundation is Jesus Christ. What I taught, what Apollos taught, you build on Jesus Christ. Then you understand. I came and I planted. Someone else came. Apollos, he came and watered it. I think one of the ways that we honor Jesus is to honor the gifts that Jesus has given to his church. That when those gifts are working well and we are living in obedience to him, we are able then to add value. I know that sounds like very... like like worldly term, but what we do, we add value because the gift that we have been given by the Lord, we are using to honor his name. 
And when I'm using my gift, and Tristan's using his gift, and you're each using your gift, the church, the body of Christ, is built up to maturity. It's built up to maturity. And Ephesians chapter 4 says then, they reach maturity in Christ. That's the church Jesus wants to build. There's no other way. And every one of us have a part in that. Every, there's not, there aren't passengers. There are people like just sitting there doing nothing. Every one of us have a part to play. Because of the gifts that God has given you and the purpose that God has called you to this church to build in this house, that the house may be built up. The foundation is Christ. The house is built as everyone does their part. Does that make sense? All right, so the first, the first point then, just to remind you and as we establish things, is that we build on the foundation that is Christ. We build on the foundation that is Christ. I want to suggest to you, secondly, that you build a safe place for people. Psalm 84. We're going to read that together. Psalm 84 is such an interesting psalm. This is a, just psalm uh, the, the Lord just kind of led me to. I, I was thinking of preaching through the whole psalm, but um, I want to focus just on, on a few verses. Uh, but let's read it together because I think it's so powerful. In psalm 84, let's read from verse 1. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar, O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage, as they pass through the valley of Bacar. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains will cover it with pools. And they will go from strength to strength until each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look upon your shield, our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is the sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. And there are a couple of things in that psalm that just stand out that, that say to me, when we build, when we build the house of the Lord, we want to build a safe place for people. So they're interesting. There are a few things that stand out in verse 1 and again in verse 10. It talks about people coming to the house of the Lord because they love to be there. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than serve in the tents of the wicked. I was, I was happy when they said, let's go up to the house of the Lord. A place where people love to be. You know, when we arrived yesterday morning, I was greeted by, by Mark and Jordan, um, and I just came here, offered coffee. Didn't ask for coffee, I just offered coffee. Um, grateful for the coffee anyway. Um, see, people that just love to be here. Not people moaning because they've got to put out chairs, grumbling because there was load shedding and had to make coffee by hand. Uh, not that. People that were happy to be here. We want to create a place, a safe place, where people love to be. Where people love to come. Where people love, and it's not just about those externals, where people love to come and do life together. With people that love them, people that care for them. That's the kind of church Jesus is building. The kind of church that accepts one another, that loves one another, that goes the extra mile for one another because it's a safe place. Church, 
as some of us might know, is not always a safe place. So church can be a very unsafe place. Church can be a very hard place. In fact, probably none of us in this room, if you've been in church any length of time, will say that it was always just smooth sailing. Probably most of us have got scars and stab wounds from church. Endeavor, endeavor to create that safe space and keep it and guard it. That safe place for people. And I think it's a reality. I don't think it's like a pipe dream. I think it's the church Jesus died for. It's the church that Jesus wants. It's the church that Jesus built. Because surely, even when we disagree, we can, we can disagree in love, in forgiveness, in grace. Um, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But we want to create a safe space where people love to be. And people are going to love to be around people that love people and enjoy being together. So, Psalm 84, we see the psalmist and others just delighting in the house of the Lord, enjoying being here, enjoying being together. Then it goes on to talk about the sparrow, and a, place, a safe place to raise the young, a safe place for the next generation, a safe place for families, a safe place for youth, a safe place for children, and we're off. <laughs> just like that. Um, a safe place to come, a safe place to be, especially for the next generation. You know, when, when as you grow, it's so lovely to see and hear the children. There are churches that would die for children. They've just got old. There are children that would die for youth. And sometimes, sometimes as churches have evolved, they've, they've just got older and they haven't, they haven't stayed relevant and, and they've, they've kind of battled to, to keep young people. I don't think it's hard. I just think it's got to be intentional to create a place where people would love to come with their families because their children are looked after. Young people are raised in the Lord. Not all churches like young people. You know that. Eh? Not all churches like young people. Um, we want to be a church that values the next generation. Not just because it's the future of the church, but because it's the now of the church. And, and so... And so it's just so lucky to be here and to, to see the, the, the children around and uh, some pregnant mommies and, and value that. Value that. Make space for it. And it's hard. It's challenging because children are noisy. They just are. But you create a safe place for families to come and belong. It's hard for families. You know, your young family, it's hard because you've got kids all the time. They're all around and you want, you want a place where your children will feel at home. You want a church, place where your children will be loved. And they enjoy church. And then, and then lastly, it's quite interesting. It talks about strength for, to go from strength to strength. When you go through the valley of Bacar, so that's a dark valley in, and it's a, it's a dry valley. When you go through those times of drought, when you go through those times of, of hardship and struggle, you want to be part of a safe place where you can say, actually, I'm not okay and not be judged. I'm actually not okay. And the whole community group goes, well, oh, I don't know what to do with that. Um, and the leader says, well, we're going to worship now and just move on. A safe place where we, can, where we can talk through our stuff because it's okay not to be okay. But we are going to trust God together and we're going to walk a road together because that's safe. And you're not going to come with all the little trite answers that Christians always give. <laughs> no, just bless the Lord. No, we're going to, we're going to be honest and say, I, I don't know, but I'm here. Amen. 
and we've got to cry together because we know one day we will smile again. And we create that safe space for people that are hurting, people that are broken, people that are confused, people that are, that are messed up, people for whom the world has spat out. We want to create a safe space where they can come and they can just sit in the back for as long as it takes for the Lord just to minister to them while we give them copious amounts of coffee and, <laughs> and nurture them back to health. Coffee of the anointing, eh? That's a match made in heaven. So I want to encourage you, Sunrise, this morning, build a safe place for people. Build a safe place. I know Tristan, I know his heart. He wants to build a safe place, but he can't do it alone. It's part of a culture in a church. But it's part of a culture. A culture is shared values. The shared values that we value everybody, we love people. I mean, somebody comes through our door and they don't look quite like us and, and they're struggling with issues that we don't necessarily struggle with. And, but we've got to love them anyway. We're going to share the word of the Lord with them. We've got to be gracious. Build a safe place. Build a safe place. And then lastly, guard the unity. Guard the unity. It's just in the Bible it doesn't say build unity. It says guard the unity. Because when we, are, when we come together as God's people, there is unity. There is unity. You may not think so, but there is. The Bible says, guard it. Jesus said in Mark chapter 3 and verse 15, speaking, of, uh, speaking actually of the enemy, but he said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Th that's true. It's not true in the kingdom of darkness. It's true in the world. It's true in the kingdom. A house divided cannot stand. A divided house cannot stand. Obviously, you have a faction over there, a faction over there. It's, it's only a matter of time before the two factions split. It's, um, it's inevitable. And so, and so in the kingdom, what we do is we guard unity. We guard unity. Let me read to you Ephesians chapter 4. Then you, then you understand exactly uh, what, I, what I'm saying. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 3. It says, make every effort to keep. The word there in, in the Greek can also be translated God. To keep, to guard, to look after the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And there it is. So in other words, as we come together, I love the Lord, I'm saved, you're saved, and you're saved. As we come together, there is a unity because we're children of the living God. We're children of one Father. And so there is a unity, but we come with different aspirations, different ideas, different thoughts, and so on. So that's why it says there is a unity that we have to guard and protect. We don't make unity because we like the same coffee. We, we guard the unity that exists already. We guard the unity. The reason why I want to say that is because unity doesn't just automatically happen because we all come together. Ah, sunrise is cool and lacquer. Because there might come a time where you think, hey, um, I don't like this or I'm not sure about that or I have a question about this. And, and, and then what we do with those things that determine whether we are actually guarding the unity or whether we kind of have a bit of an independent heart, maybe a rebellious nature. Um, you know, I, I like Tristan and all, but I, I'm just not sure we're going the right direction. So I want to talk to a few people and see if they also feel the same as me. You know, I think we should write a letter. Um, would you go and speak? <laughs> God, the unity, because you're not always going to agree. In fact, you're not always going to like each other. You know? When are you going to get a, a coffee? It's going to be too hot. Go to take offense. 
Okay, it was just my coffee was quite hot when I got it this morning, but I didn't react like that. You also spilled it on yourself. No, a little drop on the carpet. It wasn't on myself, it was actually very good. I was avoiding Olive, I didn't spill over her. God, the unity. God, the unity. And the threat may come from the outside, but it may well come from the inside. The church's greatest threat on unity is not from the outside. It's from the inside. Remember Nehemiah? This is a threat from the outside. I just love the picture of Nehemiah. When they read a rebuild of the wall, they had a child on the one hand and a sword in the other. Imagine building like that. But I think it's a great picture. They had the brick. Got a trial on the one hand, plastering with a sword in the other, just in case those guys came for us. <laughs> You've always got to be ready. But the greater threat is not going to come from the outside. The greater threat will come from a carnal Christian. I like that. It's like an old word, eh? Carnal. Unyielded. One who, you know, and, and listen, this could happen to any of us. And if we're honest, it hap- it's happened to all of us sometime in our journey. We just got a mm, thing in our hearts. <clears throat> and we wanted to like, mm. what you do with that, what you do with that will determine whether you're building unity or not. See, the Bible's very clear about, about ways and channels to follow. Ways and channels to follow. If you disagree, your brother sins against you, what are you going to talk to your brother or your sister? Go and, and have it out. If, if you can't be reconciled, um, then you, you call the elders. And every matter be established by two or three witnesses. You know, it's not, it's, it's not complicated. Tristan can unpack that for you. And how we deal with that. We're very clear at Lighthouse. The door is, my door is always open for any concern. You can come to me directly. If it's with me or about me, then you can go to one of my elders. But, you, but you're not going to go to a little group and da 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 fester. That's how church politics starts. Festers, and that's ultimately how churches end up imploding. So... So it's up to us to walk in obedience, to walk in, in righteousness and guard our hearts. You want to guard the unity, you start by guarding your heart. Let me tell you what happened to me. And I'm very, very grateful this happened to me when I was still a student pastor. And uh, uh, my, my, my senior pastor, um, well, he was a man of few words. Um, and, um, and we didn't have a, like, he, we didn't have coffee together, but, but, he, but I really respected him and, and so on. So I was responsible for, for the youth, and I can't remember what it was about, but, but there was something I, I was chatting to the guys, and we thought this was a great idea. Um, so I, I needed to run it by him to get it. I think it was like being part of, in the church for a few songs. I can't remember. But, but I, I needed to, it was one of those decisions, I had to get his okay. So I had uh, I'd spoken to the youth, I thought it was a great idea, um, knocked on his door. Um, and made an appointment and sat down and, and um, you know, shared it. It wasn't even, it wasn't a big deal. It was just this, I really thought it was just like a courtesy, um, courtesy knock and uh, this would all be okay. So he sat there listening to the, the whole lot um, and, um, and he just said, um, no, I don't agree with it. Um, let's keep it the way it was or whatever. Like, what the heck? So... Uh, I thought, I, you know, maybe he hadn't heard me or understood me correctly, as we do. So I thought I'd uh, <laughs> drop my tone a little bit, um, articulate it a little clearer for him. Uh, and um, he said, no, um, it wasn't quite like that. He just said, no, I don't think, da, 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 da. Uh, He had like this counter suggestion. Well, keeping it the same. Flap. So eventually I realized 
being the man that he was, I thought, I'm just not going to win this. So um, I remember thinking, oh, fine, we'll just make it work. So I remember, um, I, I, remember I still remember, this is like 30 years ago. I still remember um, um, taking the, the door handle on the way off. I'm going to slam the door. I thought, better not. <laughs> Here's my boss. So I, um, I closed the door, and I remember walking down the corridor back to my office um, from his, and I was seething. So I'm just trauming into myself. I just don't, just don't know what to do. I'm, like, I'm, I'm involved with the youth. I don't know what's going on. Da, 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 da. And, um, and I remember getting halfway down that corridor, trauming into myself. And I felt, it wasn't an audible voice, but it could have been. <laughs> it really could have been. Um, still sends chills down my spine when I told the story all these years later. I felt the Lord say to me, what are you doing? And he doesn't know what it is. And I remember I felt this as clearly as, as the Lord could have spoken like, to me audibly. He said, the only thing that matters right now, the only thing, is that you honor your senior pastor. And I'll never forget what it followed up with. Because this came like left field to me. I hadn't thought about this. I didn't think I... He said, rebellion is what the devil does. And I remember sitting in my, you know, like when the Lord has like spoken. And I remember sitting like a little bit gobsmacked at my desk, just like. <laughs> and I thought, I need to explore that a little bit more. I, I didn't think my heart was rebellious. I just thought I knew better. I was working with the youth. Um, and two things. One, he actually turned out to be right. It was a good decision. Uh, and secondly, I, I set the, myself on a course to understand just unity, understanding authority, and, and all the rest. And um, as, insofar as authority is, is concerned, in the Bible, you look at all the authorities that, you know, Moses, and the, the authorities that God appointed from Old Testament to New Testament, never once did God ever side with somebody questioning authority, or went against authority. Because God has established those authority. Remember, um, Moses, for example, Miriam Aaron come to him and said, are you the only one that God talks to? Yes, she did. That's a good reminder. God, even though their point was valid, interestingly, um, God doesn't take the side. That's a separate issue. That's a separate, uh, you know, we're not talking about authority today. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. The reason why I tell that story is in our hearts, our hearts are always vulnerable to a little seed from the enemy. A little seed from the enemy that's actually rebellious. That's a, not a concern. I mean, there are ways, so I started to remember saying that you, you might have a legitimate concern. You might have a, uh, a, some, an idea. You might, you might have a disagreement. You can still disagree, but keep the unity. See, I can disagree um, and say, I honor you, I love you, but I think we're going we're gonna to stick with this decision. I'll take it to the elders, we'll discuss it. But at some point, somebody's got to make decisions. Somebody's got to make a call. I would suggest to you the best is always to honor God first. And often what I mean by that is you're honoring God through your heart. Through your heart. It doesn't have to be a deal breaker. I'm going to leave this church because it's just nothing near me. No, it doesn't have to be like that. Maybe you want to trust trust. And share the concern. Work it out in a spirit of unity. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying that we, we, obviously, we obviously are going to have different, opinion, different opinions. We're going to feel differently sometimes. We're going to like everything about church. But what we are wanting to do is honor one another. 
live with a, a heart that honors one another. And if I have a concern, then I'm going to follow the biblical way to, in love, go and speak to my brother, my sister, and we're going to try and work it out. If we need to agree to this, that's okay. If we're going to make peace, if I need to say sorry, flip, I've spent a large part of my, my ministry career saying sorry to people that I, I never offended. I appreciate the fact that they didn't stew in their hearts, but they came and said, Trevor, like, really, really hurt me when you said that, or, or I didn't feel you heard me. And I had the opportunity to say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So it's also about my heart. Not being like, well, who are you? You're just a member. I'm, no. <laughs> Made a mistake. I'm sorry. So we can then, we can then move together in peace. Some of the closest relationships I have in leadership at Lighthouse are with people that I've either apologized to or they have apologized to me because we've hurt each other in the process. But in finding each other at the foot of the cross, in talking it out, and often what, what I stumbled on, and I would suggest this, if you ever find that you're in a, a situation where you, you just, you, you're not sure whether if you're going to confront that person or whatever, it's going to go well, you know, you know, it's so good. Break bread together. Just break bread together. So listen, we, I just want to put it on the table and I want to invite you just to put it on the table and then we're going to break bread together. It's very hard. It's very hard to, to remain stubborn or, you know, hold on to your thing when you're sitting there with a cup and a piece of bread of Jesus that held nothing back that you may be reconciled to the Father. God the unity. God the unity. Because disagreements come. But a church that's going to grow, a house that's going to be established to grow into a big mansion or be built up into a big mansion is a church that's going to know how to guard the unity, how to disagree in love, how to build together, how to honor one another. So, to, to conclude then, just to remind you, build on Christ. The foundation is Christ. Build a safe place where people can come, belong, Find healing, find wholeness. Really believe that. I wouldn't be sharing that with you if I didn't feel that it was part of what God has called you to. And guard the unity as you build. Guard the unity. And that's every one of our responsibility. And if ever we're concerned, whatever, go to trust these doors open. Um, that, we, that the church may be protected. That what God is building here is protected and can grow into the church that God has called you to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, uh, um, Kieran and, and Byrne, just to, just to come and, and we just want to respond. Just, just take a moment. Um, can we? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah you've got the event in order. Um, so I want to invite you to stand. Just to take a moment before we rush off to have another cup of coffee and out into the sunshine. close our eyes for a moment just as the music team gets set up we just want to say Lord Jesus we honor you in this place this morning We honor you as head of the church. You're head of the church universal and we proclaim, we declare 
you are head of Sunrise Church. We want to put you first in all things.